Good afternoon, everyone. This is Safari Jeffries, and we are back. The Real Do Dialogue, where we talk about everything under the sun, and we primarily focus on sports. And it's primarily stuff that I just want to talk about. So that's how we're going to run the show, because I run the show, and I run it the way I want to run it. Ladies and gentlemen, there are a number of things that have been going on. FL... The NBA, of course, the MLB, eh, so-so. I mean, of course, I mean, no, no, there are a lot of people watching the MLB. Hockey is gearing up again. Soccer is about to wind down, going to the playoffs pretty soon here. So, yes, there are a number of things and a number of topics we're talking about today. And if you haven't seen the buffoonery in which we call the presidency in the White House, my goodness, what... (laughs) What is going on in the White House, ladies and gentlemen? If you want to talk about that, we can talk about it. You know, I'm not really fond of talking about politics because I feel that your guy, 45, was put in the office. People voted for him. He was elected. He is the president right now. So, I mean, I think I think people people talk about the White House and politics um, a lot. CNN, you know, continuously going over the things that he's getting jammed up with, uh, you know, people constantly getting fired out of the White House. Omarosa put out the book, dropping the book, dropped the, uh, she got the audio files, dropping them like they're mixtapes, you know what I'm saying? If if y'all want to pay attention to that circus, that's cool. I'm not too fond of repeating the same information that has been constantly circulating through the news outlets on a daily basis. But nevertheless, we will talk about what is going on, the hot topics in the NFL. Let's start right there. What's going on in the NFL? Teams out here struggling. Now, let us be reminded that a lot of things are going to go wrong. Some things are going to look good. Some things are going to look right. You know, evaluations are going to be off. Uh, A lot of, you know, second teamers and third teamers are going to get, you know, some play, some run. So it's good to really see those guys play. But for the most part, I mean, you know, the starters, they're going to play a little bit. But the reality is, is that we're really not going to see what it really is. And we're going to we're going to touch on that. We're going to we're going to definitely talk about how the, the Panthers are looking. Carolina in the house, Charlotte, QC stand up, West Side, Beatty's Ford Road, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Panthers and how they look and how my man got jammed up. The rookie, DJ Moore. What was he pushing? 120 in a 65? That's how you get jammed up. Not only does he run fast, he drives his car extremely fast. 118, 115 miles per hour in a 65 mile an hour zone. He had to get to where he was going. He was probably late for a team meeting. Well, no, 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 no. This was like 3 a.m. in the morning, so no. What else has been going on in the NFL? Hmm. Let's talk about the ever-controversial anthem. So I don't know if everyone has noticed, but um, I was recently watching an ESPN broadcast, and I believe a number of stations that is broadcasting NFL, NFL games... They are not going to show the anthem at all. 
I'm going to keep it 100 like I always do. I'm not really too fond of that policy because I'll tell you and I'll tell you why. Here's why. These players have a platform. They have the freedom of speech. Let them voice their their opinions and their thoughts and let them use the that that platform to showcase their freedom of speech. If they want to sit, kneel, raise their fists during the anthem, let them do what they want to do. We are Americans and we all have the freedom of speech. So for the broadcasters to not showcase the anthem, I'm not really too fond of that. I feel that it's really, it's it's cop-out. It's an easy way out for, you know, the broadcasters to avoid the, the conversation that needs to be had and, and the, the, the conversation that needs to continue to happen in regards to social injustice for brown and black people in America but not only in America but worldwide this is this is bigger than just some black guys that make millions of dollars that play for teams that are you know kneeling it's not about and I'm pretty sure you've heard countless times it's not about disrespecting the flag it's about standing up for what is right So that's continuing to go on, of course. And you see, you see how the NFL—they backpedaled. They did. They did a lot of backpedaling. You know, they or not necessarily. Well, well, yeah. The NFL and how they said, "Oh, the players are gonna stand. They're gonna they're they're gonna make the players stand." And. If they're on the sideline, they got to stand up. And Jerry Jones came out and toes on the line. How long did that last? That didn't last too long. Because they knew what time it was. They knew they knew that the players was going to do what they wanted to do anyway. The players are the league. 70 to 80% of the players in the NFL are minorities. So, okay, how far is 2020? Because if you want to talk CBA, we can talk CBA. How far is 2020? 20, what, it's 2019 next year. CBA's up 2020. Players are going to have a lot of stuff to get off their chest. When, when, when it comes to the dialogue that needs to be had with the NFLPA and the NFL and how they're going to bargain for on the behalf of players, it's gonna it's gonna be heavy. It's gonna be it's gonna be a real heavy dialogue, and a lot of people are talking. It's gonna be a lockout. Truthfully, I don't want there to be a lockout. I want there to be an agreement. I want there to be active conversation, active uh, bargaining, because that's what collective bargaining is. You know, both parties have to attempt. To bargain in good faith. So hopefully, both parties, NFLPA, NFL, 
the players will come to an agreement for this next CBA in 2020. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. We're going to see a lot of things change. A lot of, you know, I think I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on players wanting a lot more guaranteed money when it comes to the NFL contracts. Which I don't blame them. I mean, I think I think they should fight for everything, every inch, every they should scrape, pull teeth, do whatever they have to do to get exactly what they want in regards to their money. Because at the end of the day, the players make the money for the owners. They sell the tickets for the owners. They they brand they are the brand of the clubs. We can get some interchangeable players in here. You know, we could get another there could be another Odell Beckham Jr. in the next two to three years. Who knows? But right now, it's right now. And you wanna sell tickets right now. You wanna sell you wanna put cheeks in seats right now. So you have to do what you need to do to make these players happy. I am, I am pro player. I understand the business a little. Learning more and more every day, but I am pro player. I was I was not a professional player. <laughs> I I was not a collegiate player actually. I played very little in high school and I was terrible. But that's when I realized I said, "Hey, let me get on the business end of this thing. Let me make something shake on the business side. So yeah, the players are going to really, really push for things that they want in this next CBA. And and I'm all for it. The agents are going to be right behind the players that they represent, pushing along with them. So owners are going to be in for a fight. This is going to be a good one, but hopefully they can all bargain in good faith and come to a new CBA agreement in 2020. I'm excited for that. So now let's talk about let's 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 talk about what's going on in preseason. If you haven't uh, been keeping up with preseason, a lot of people don't really pay attention to preseason. Understandable, uh, you know. It's definitely understandable because you don't want to see people get injured, like starters get injured, you know, for the season. There were a couple that have already went down. Darius Geis being one of the most notable. Darius Geis, the Washington Redskins rookie running back, drafted first round, for their first round pick. Went down, wrapped it up. His season is a wrap. He, he's back at the crib already. ACL injury. So I think the question, let's pose a question. Let's the question for this week's podcast. Should starters play in the preseason? And here's the second part of that question. Should there be preseason games? Should we just go straight into week one? I mean, if you think about it, you know, players... They, they practice a lot already. 
you know, they're, they're, they're practicing there. They're already warmed up. How much, you know, you've already evaluated the players. How many games do you really need to see them play to continue to evaluate and get the roster down to where you need it? That's my dog in the background walking around. Tina. Tina's walking around the background making a lot of noise. What do you want, Tina? Relax. She's, she's getting amped up because she wants to see preseason as well. But no, no. I think the reality is is that as a league commissioner, Goodell, and NFLPA, I think they're going to have to come to some type of agreement in this next CBA when it, when, in regards to playing in preseason games and or them being eliminated altogether. But, I mean, the reality is, is that preseason games bring in some revenue. Let's, let's be reminded that everything is about that money. Let's 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 not get it twisted, okay? I mean, considering that you know preseason was successful, um, the revenues the, the revenues there. You know, I mean, there's even been talks of having only two preseason games and having a 18 game regular season. Hey, at the end of the day, it's all about money. Preseason is behind us. Week one was such a blast. Now we're on to week two. Week one of the NFL. For those that boycott it, kudos. For those that watch, kudos. You know, wherever you stand on the side of the argument that you're choosing to stand on, be resolute in your stance, whatever you decide. But yeah, week one, week one was phenomenal. They say ratings were down. I really couldn't tell, to be honest with you. See all um, the games, check out any of the games. A lot of upsets, week one. A lot of surprises, you know. What was one major upset? One major upset that I saw. I'm pretty sure that everybody saw it too. Saints and the Buccaneers. Fitzpatrick, 400 plus yards in the air. Where's where's this guy been? You know, uh, honestly, Fitzpatrick has been this up and down player most of his career. So, for you know, James Winston to be out and. Fitzpatrick to start the season for the Buccaneers and do such a phenomenal job. Maybe it's just his, his time. Maybe maybe right now it's Fitzpatrick time, his reign with the Buccaneers organization. So we're going to see how this plays out week two. Saints didn't know what to do. Shook up. Well, let's see what other uh, upsets guys see the Cowboys Cowboys look like they're in shambles offensive line struggling Ezekiel Elliott 
under 100 yards for the whole game. At about 80, I think. You know, I mean, you know, I guess that's not too bad. But, you know, if you're a superstar runner, superstar running back like Ezekiel Elliott, that's a subpar performance. Jason Garrett, man. Let's let's be real. Okay, Jason Garrett was a mediocre backup quarterback. He rode the pine behind Troy Aikman. But let's talk about his coaching. Is his coaching quality enough for the Dallas Cowboy organization? I'm not one to judge coaches because I have never been a coach. So I can't really speak on his coaching skill set. But from what I saw, just in the... uh, the Amazon, the Amazon uh, show, the the series, uh, not Hard Knocks, but um, uh, Football Life, whatever the show is that comes on Amazon, there's like a series where they catalog um, a whole season of a football team. And last season, it was the Dallas Cowboys, and we get we we got to see a inside look inside the Dallas Cowboy organization before the beginning of the 2017 season and leading up to the end of the season where the Cowboys were unsuccessful in making the playoffs. Hey, I mean, you know, I I think Jason Garrett really has Jerry Jones in his back pocket. And that's why he continues to have a job. So we're going to see about this week two. I think they play the Giants. That should be a pretty good match. Pretty competitive match, I, I will say. Week one. What else happened week one? John Gruden. John Gruden is, is on the uh, the verge of being exposed. John Gruden, you know, he all on he was all on ESPN quarterback camp guru whatever you want to call him John Gruden is on the verge of being exposed for the mediocre fraud coach that he is how did, how did I get on this I'm, I'm speaking on coaches I can't speak on coaches because I've never been a coach but as a fan I can say I don't believe John Gruden is going to be as successful as a lot of people feel he's going to be. I can't see it. I think I think you know Jack Del Rio is back at home sitting on his couch laughing at the Oakland Raiders organization for firing him. I would love to see Carr be successful this season. After coming off, you know, last season with the injury, the injury, but I don't, I don't know if it's going to work with him and John Gruden in the same building. And now that Khalil Mack is gone, that's a very vital piece of their defense that's missing. So what do the Raiders do now? You know, they beef up on offense. 
What what can they do? They they they're still lacking when it comes to defense. They looked terrible. They looked terrible in the game Monday night. So John Gruden, he's gonna get exposed. I give him about maybe three, four more games. Then everybody's gonna be questioning, oh, John Gruden this, oh, he should have never been hired, you should not be paying him this much money. This will be seen, folks, in the next four to five games. I guarantee that. Sleeper teams. Let's talk about a sleeper team. Todd Bowles, New York Jets organization. I am quite surprised with New York Jets and how they performed uh, Monday night. I truly believe that Todd Bowles, Vance Joseph's, um, what's our guy? That's the coach in Arizona. Um, Ron Rivera are always under a microscope. And I don't have to say why. You always you you know why. You know why they're under a microscope. But specifically, Ty Bowles and Vance Josephs. I like Vance. I like Ty Bowles. Uh, what's my other guy? In Pittsburgh. I like my guy in Pittsburgh. Head coach, Tomlin. I feel like they're under a microscope. I think Ty Bowles did a superb job on Monday. Last season, he did a superb job with a mediocre team. This season, he's going to have to really dial it up a notch. Vance Josephs, I don't know. I I think, honestly, Elway is putting him in the position to fail with this lackluster quarterback play. They don't really know which way to go. Case Keenum's there now. So hopefully this is going to be a solution and this is going to help Vance Josephs be a successful coach there in Denver. This is going to be interesting to see. Mike Tomlin, Pittsburgh, played horrible horrible or maybe maybe the Cleveland Browns has just become such an elite team that they were able to keep Pittsburgh on their heels the whole game I mean if we want to be frank we want to be honest Cleveland could have sealed the game if Tyrod Taylor would have not thrown that Interception in the fourth quarter. And then they had another opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal, and it was blocked. So was that good play of Cleveland? Well, I mean, them missing a field goal, of course. That wasn't the best play. But there was an interception that led to the field goal. For Cleveland led to them getting the ball back for them to attempt the field goal. So good defensive play, I will say. But Pittsburgh, I don't, I don't really know. I think there are a lot of things going on in the locker room. A lot of people are questioning Mike Tomlin. Like, is he a good coach? You know, how long? You know, how long is it going to take for him to get back to the playoffs? You know. All those things, all that, the whole situation with Le'Veon Bell, is he coming back? Is he playing? Is he not going to play? Is he going to get traded? Why don't they pay him his money? 
a lot of things going on in Pittsburgh, and I think Mike Tomlin is on the high seat. Matt Patricia, Detroit Lions. It's too early to tell. I think Detroit, they have a okay team, not one of the best teams, of course. Matt Stafford clearly was playing for the other team. He threw. <laughs> I don't know how many pick sixes. Pick sixes. I, I, I stopped counting. Uh, he threw four, five interceptions. I think, you know, Matt, Matt, Matt is under a microscope too. Because they're expecting him to do such great things considering he came from the Patriots organization. Detroit, man. I believe the Detroit Lions, the organization, Mary Ford, the Ford family, I I believe that the whole organization is cursed because of the way they treated Barry Sanders, Megatron. That's the only reason. That's the only way you can explain it. I can't think of any other reason why the Detroit Lions, other than them having mediocre players, other than them having mediocre players, I, I can't think of any other reason why they looked so terrible. Everything just fell apart. Special teams, defense, offense was not clicking at all. I picked LeGarrette Blunt for one of my fantasy teams. I'm considering letting him go because he only had like one yard on maybe I don't know four carries we're going to see how this whole thing develops we're going into week two NBA is gearing up a lot of exciting things going on with sports as for me this week um, you know, don't really have too much going on this week. Uh, you know, hanging out, going to do a little bit of studying. Watch a couple games here, there. Hang out with some of my buddies, maybe. Um, headed to Seattle in a couple weeks. Want to go see one of my buddies in Seattle, so I'm, I'm going to go do that. Just got back from San Francisco, the Bay. First time in the Bay, right? If you know about the Bay, you know what I'm talking about. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. Definitely want to go back. You got people walking around with marijuana. It's all out in the open. Coffee shops, coffee houses. Very cool, laid-back environment. I see why the people uh, that come from California are the way that they are. It's a very laid-back environment. It was surprisingly cold near the bridge and in the city itself. You know, it was roughly maybe about 60 degrees on average. For the most part, it was a great trip. I loved Oakland. Got to see a lot of things in Oakland. Went to Sacramento. Hung out in Sacramento for a bit. Sacramento is actually a really cool place. While I was in San Francisco checking out the full house houses, right? You know, the full house houses, the houses you see in the opening credits where the, the Tanner family, they're on the they're in the park and you know, they're rolling around in the grass. Yeah. So we went to go see the full house houses, right? 
parked my rental car on the street, maybe two blocks, two or three blocks from where the actual houses are. Car was broken into. Bang! Cracked the window. Cracked it open. Bag was on the seat. Book bag. Taken. Had a couple of my items in it. Nothing too serious, but... This is what happened when I went to go see the Full House houses. Maybe, I I don't know, maybe I looked like a tourist and they felt like, okay, well, there's something in that Army Green book bag. There has to be something of value in that Army Green book bag. I don't know. They got some T-shirts and some cologne and some headphones. That's about it. So good luck with that. You know, you know. It equaled up to maybe about four, five hundred, a thousand dollars in value for the police reports. Other than that, it was a good trip. It was a great trip. Had a good time. Dying to go back. I'll probably be back in the next couple months. Seattle, I'm coming. Uh, Charlotte, I'm coming. Toronto, I'm coming. Um, everybody, watch your fantasy leagues. Keep your eyes on what's going on in sports. To all those that are bracing for the hurricane, Hurricane Florence, if you're staying, be safe. Um, If you've evacuated, be safe as well. God bless everyone. RDD will be back next week, and I'll probably do a show from Seattle, Washington, or wherever I'm at. I don't know, but it may be Seattle if I don't have other stuff to do. All right. Submit your comments, questions, safarimjeffries.com. That's me. Reach out to me. Text me. DM me. You, if you got my number, of course you can call me. Um, I don't want, don't want, don't want to talk about none of that fugazi cornball BS. If it's on some real legitimate conversation, or you just want to drop a line, say hey yo, how you doing, Safari? Cool. Till next time, keep your eyes on the prize. And in the words of my prophetic brother Eric Thomas. Love your process. All right? Peace.